Let's double check it. Every cent of unused retirement. Yes. See, that's fine. I like how quickly you could pull up the PowerPoint. Wowza. But you couldn't pull up her cheerleader picture. Uh, yeah, you know, good point. Mm. I need I need that. Mm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about those who can save for retirement. More people are carefully crafting their spending and savings so they can actually stop working sooner. Investing can seem intimidating when it feels like you have no information to base your decisions on. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I am the host, Molly Nelson, and I am here with, oh, I love what I've recently learned about the people that I am sitting next to. I'm here with our producer extraordinaire, Rochelle Smith, and I have recently learned that she was head cheerleader for the Lakeview Raiders. Yes. Tell us about your cheer experience. You know, one of the hottest shows right now, Rochelle, is, is cheer on Netflix. Is I've cheer on Netflix. People are going insane over cheer on Netflix. It, mm -hmm. it has got this cult following. The, the people that are in it are, are all over the place now. They're doing late night talk shows. So comparing the cheer Netflix special to your Lakeview, Iowa cheer experience, <laughs> what's the same and what's different? Um, pretty much everything is different because there was only eight of us and we didn't do as many stunts. So, but I was the cheer captain three years out of the four that I did it. Amazing. For football and basketball, so. I love that. But, you know, the thing about being a part of a team that's great, you know, they show, I think in this, I've only heard people talking about this special, haven't I? You know, the fun that you have, the teamwork, the, mm -hmm. the, the perseverance when, you know, when you land a routine, all that good stuff, you felt that, all that fun. Oh, yeah. Fun team aspect. Oh, yeah. For sure. Someone who is not the cheer captain in Central City, but is a certified financial planner, someone who helps people retire. And I recently learned, I knew you through axes, but now you're doing axe duels. Am I even saying that right? Yeah, now there's actually three different leagues. So you have the singles axe, which has been going on for a couple of years. And then you have, now there's duels. So you have two people thrown at the same target versus another two people thrown at the same target. Well, two different targets for, right, two groups. Right. Two groups, two different targets. Okay. And not at the same time, clearly, like... One person throws and the next no, person No, no, same throws. time. Oh. Yeah, same time. So there's a lot of axes that hit each other. There's a lot of axes that get destroyed. I need to see video of this. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of cool. And then there's also large axe. So you're throwing a large axe at a target. Is it huh. safe so to say? different sanctioned leagues. Is it safe to say that axe throwing is exploding? I mean, like growing? Yeah, yeah worldwide. Worldwide. What do you think it is? What is it about axe throwing that appeals to you? It's kind of like darts, but it's with an axe, which is much cooler. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you get to carry. I got 10 axes in my truck, right? In a bag. Oh my gosh. It's just this appeals to, to like, axes. this appeals to like your inner lumberjack. Like it, it feels like that male need to just like throw stuff. Big, heavy things or... It, it takes us back to the caveman days when we're just very primitive. Sure. Your instincts are kicking in. Well, I'll go a, out and hunt. Axe, I get to throw it. Yes. Good. Yes. I'll kill the food. Yep. Good. The hunter and gatherer in you just yeah. really likes axe throwing. One of Jason's favorite shows to watch with me is The Croods. Have you guys seen The Croods? Yes, I've seen that movie. Yeah. Very... Yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Go out and get the... Get a bug. And Jace is your daughter who also throws axes. So oh, the good yeah. news is not only, you know, kind of we talked about the primitive male here, your your daughter is an excellent axe thrower. Yeah, she's really good. 
All right. Well, that's the introduction that I am so excited to give today. But we're also excited to talk about your retirement plan, your retirement future, and what's recently been passed in Washington. Some legislation is the SECURE Act. So it went into effect January 1 of 2020. But we're going to be seeing the effects of this thing for several years to come. Lauren, we've already had about 100 people in our offices for two Lunch and Learn events that we just held simply on the SECURE Act. Why are, why are these really resonating with uh, people here in our area? Every once in a while in this industry, there's legislation that just changes completely the planning that has been taking place. And really, that's what the SECURE Act has done. And, and as people transition through the different phases of their life, which a lot of our families in the phase of their life where they, they feel really confident, they feel really secure, especially after the, the planning has been completed, they feel really confident about where they're at in their financial life. And so they're thinking about things that are greater than what they, they have thought about before, meaning they have this money, they feel like they've won the game, and now it's a matter of what can they really do to benefit their family, what can they really do to benefit their community, what can they really do to benefit the, their, their uh, immediate world with this money that they have. And legacy planning is a big part of that. And really, the, the last decade of legacy planning has been turned upside down due to the SECURE Act. And the biggest feature of the SECURE Act that is really impacting people and what really pe people are concerned about how it's going to impact their individual legacy plan is what it does to the IRA and 401k plans. Most of people's wealth is in an IRA, which means when they take it out, they have to pay taxes on it. When they pass away, then it goes to their kids. Their kids are required to start taking distributions out Prior to the SECURE Act, they could stretch those distributions out over the course of their entire lifetime, which means they pay less taxes on it because they have more distribution periods to spread the tax bill out. Now they have to have it all out within a 10-year period of time. And there's a lot of trust work that has been done over the last decade or so that now has to be completely redone. And there's a lot of ambiguity because the bill is so new and it's so robust. There's a lot of ambiguity as far as the implications that it has on individuals. And that's why... These, uh, these lunch and learns that we've been doing on the SECURE Act have filled up so quickly. There's such a, a big interest in it because it, it does have overreaching eff effects on individuals' plans. Yeah, you make no bones. You haven't done it yet, but you make no bones about wanting to literally throw an axe at this legislation and tear it in half. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. I mean, there are elements of the... There are elements of you the guys could have laughed. I mean, <laughs> I know it's a little early, but come on, I'm trying here. That was really good. <laughs> it's like I'm fishing for compliments. Cheaper. You got a big one. <laughs> Much bigger than the one I caught in northern Minnesota last week. Okay, you don't like the legislation. I mean, they call it what's I, every time I screw this up, but setting, setting every community up for retirement. It's an acronym. It's Secure an acronym. is an acronym. But you, you're this. You don't feel that that is an accurate acronym at all. No, I don't, because it's not setting every community up. There's elements of this bill that are good. These pushing the RMD aged from seventy and a half to seventy two. That's a good thing. That will help out some people. It'll give them a little bit extra time to incorporate some of the tax planning that's so important to retirees. But by and large, the negative implications of this bill are going to outweigh the the positives. And you kind of alluded to the thing you dislike the most about this is that it really changes a lot of people's legacy plans. 
Yeah, it really does. I mean, and that's why people really need to review what their legacy plan is because the Secure Act could change completely. So let's take myself as an example. My daughter's seven. So Chase, uh, I have a trust. It is a conduit trust, but it restricts when she has access to the money because as a seven-year-old, I don't want her to get her hands on all this money if something happens, happens to me. So I've restricted how, how and when she takes the money. Well, underneath the Secure Act laws, Basically, it's going to say she can't have access to any of the IRA money for 10 years, which means that money is going to continue to grow, probably double over the 10-year time frame. And in the 10th year, she will be mandated to take it out, all of it, which means she's going to be taxed on all of it in one year, which means Uncle Sam's going to get a bigger, bigger chunk of it. And that's how a lot of trusts have been designed, and those trusts need to be changed. And there's a lot of strategies that people can incorporate depending upon really now what their goals are from a legacy standpoint, uh, because this, this bill could change some people's goals. If their main goal is to have Uncle Sam get less, then their, their new plan is going to be different than if their main goal is to get as much to their kids as possible. So it's just a, a reevaluation of what your goals are based on the law, what you're trying to accomplish, and then there's going to be a number of different strategies, and many of these strategies are brand new strategies that they can incorporate to to achieve their goals. Yeah, you're talking to a lot of people about Roth conversions. Roth conversions we've been talking about for a long time, just by the sheer stance, just by the sheer fact that you will have to pay taxes on your pre-tax monies, your pre-tax IRAs. You're going to have to pay taxes on it. Right now, taxes are on sale. So if you can take money out of your pre-tax IRAs, shift it over to a Roth IRA and pay less tax now and have that money grow tax-free forever, then that's a big win for people. But the SECURE Act just reinforces the notion that now is a great time for many people to start doing these Roth conversions and doing them in a meaningful way. Uh, But it's also going to introduce a whole new set of people that weren't interested in doing them before now they're they're going to want to do it just from a legacy standpoint as well for more information on the secure act we have put a link to an article in our show notes now the topic we really want to tackle today is the difference between accumulation investing and retirement investing there are two different philosophies so if you're in the working years you're still at your job we're going to have some great stuff for you. If you're a retiree or getting close to, to retirement, we're going to have some really good tips for you today. But Lauren, the, the takeaway, the big thing we want people to know is your philosophies, your risk, your money management, your goals, they're different in these two different stages of life. Yeah, because we, we do go through different phases of life. And if you think about all of these different phases, how your life changes how your decisions change with these phases and how your planning changes with these phases, then it's, it should be uh, intuitive to, uh, to the notion of your retirement plan changing should be intuitive, right? When you're 39 years old, you're trying to do something significantly different than when you're 59 or you're 69 years old. And so your plan should reflect what it is that you're trying to do. And oftentimes we, we see plans that, we see plans for somebody or a couple who's 65 years old trying to trying to retire and, and live on their savings for the rest of their life that are very similar to their plans that they had 20 years prior. And so the, the plans need to be updated and they need to evolve as life evolves. I suppose, too, when you're working, I go back to my first working years, you, know, you make an election in your 401k if you're lucky enough to have one of those. Maybe you have a pension 
And then all of a sudden you, you've worked 30 years and, and I could see how that might happen that you haven't really changed the investing plan. Yeah, usually what we see from an investment product standpoint, and, and that's what we've always been taught. We've been taught all, over all these years that our product is our plan, right? Our mutual funds, our pension, our social security, right? That's all our plan. And it's not. Those are just components, right? Those are assets. Those are resources that we can use to uh, realize our plan, which is our retirement vision. And what happens is many people, most of us, end up on the doorsteps of retirement. We're knocking on that door trying to get in, and we have this junk drawer full of product with no real purpose, no real intention about how these individual resources are going to get us to and through this next phase. And that's really what that retirement plan is, and that's what we do for all of our families is we organize that junk drawer. We get rid of the stuff that we don't need that's just been kind of collecting. We try to make the other stuff that we want to keep more efficient and work collaboratively together to accomplish those retirement goals. And the way we're going to try to illustrate this today is we're going to use Kathy and we're going to use Todd. We're going to talk about who they are and how their goals are different when it comes to investing, risk, money management, some of the rules of thumb that are out there for, for the financial world. And then our last way that we'll kind of contrast and compare Todd and Kathy is when it comes to working smarter, not harder. So first, let's meet Kathy. Tell me a little bit about Kathy, Lauren. Kathy, in this example, is so indicative of, of a lot of the families that we work with and a lot of pre-retirees that we're, we work with. She's 63 years old. She has this goal of retiring somewhere around age 65. If she can retire sooner than 65, she would love it. But one of the things really holding back Kathy is the cost of health care. Right? 65 is when she's eligible for Medicare. That's when the costs become a lot more reasonable. If she was to retire, then she would have to go in the individual market or maybe even go on COBRA. So she's 63. She wants to find a way to retire at 65 no later than. And uh, there's a lot of concerns that go into that goal for Kathy. Rochelle, could you please introduce us to Todd? Tell us a little bit about Todd. Todd is 39 years old. He's Kathy's son, and he's 25 years away from retirement. All right, let's talk about Kathy and Todd. First, let's talk about their investing goals. Lauren, what are Todd's investing goals? Well, Todd, Todd is trying, you know, in this example, we said 25 years. For Kathy, we said 65, no later than, maybe sooner. And that's very indicative of what we experience as well. I mean, that's a quarter of a century away from Todd. There's a lot of things that can change. And so Todd's investment goals are going to be a little bit more generic and it's going to be a lot more room for flexibility, a lot more room for error than than with Kathy. So with Todd, you know, he, he probably has a couple kids. He has a mortgage. He might have some student loan debt still from, from when he went to school. He might be preparing to uh, pay for the kids' school, right, through, through the use of 529s or some alternative in uh, school investment plans. Uh, and so he's trying to get through life, pay down his debt, and put the kids through school and at the same time save for retirement. So the primary retirement vehicles he is using would be his employer plan. And if he can afford it from time to time, he might be putting some a uh, little bit extra away into a Roth IRA. He's using the employer plan because he gets a match. So that's free money. That's a, that's a no-brainer. He wants that free money. It's an easy tool to contribute to. But his goals are very, from a retirement standpoint, are very generic. Um, in reality, he may not be able to retire in 25 years. He might be able to retire in 20 years. He, it might take him 30 years. He just knows there's some time frame down the line that he wants to retire. 
And he's, and as he's trying to conceptualize this, it is such a far off distant goal because of all the minutia of life that he's going, going through right now. So it's just kind of this dream that he has out there. He knows at one point he won't be able to work. He won't want to work and he needs to retire. Yeah. I still feel like Todd doesn't probably even know what his last job is or what his last pay stub is going to look like. So a lot of unknowns for Todd. Now, Kathy, she may be in her last job or, or the job that she's thinking this could be the one I retire from. What are her investing goals? Well, Kathy's in a scenario where she is in her last job. Where e- even if something happens from a health standpoint or the, the employer tells her goodbye, she she's at a point where this is it. So now she's just trying to get really organized and she's looking for a sense of comp- uh, confidence in this ultimate decision of, re- of retirement. Then that's the necessity of putting together this finalized retirement plan for Kathy is she wants to know. If she retires at 65, how much money she can she collect from these different resources, whether she has a pension or she has Social Security, she has investable assets, how much she can she deliver at point of retirement? And then is she going to be okay 10 years or 15 years into retirement with a lot of the what ifs that could still happen? Because 15 years away, that's still a long time. And one of the things that's weighing heavy on Kathy's mind is what happens if she has a health condition that she needs long-term care? How is she going to be able to afford it? Should should she put some preventative measures in now from a protection standpoint in case that does happen? It's not all on her back. There's a lot of different things that's going through Kathy's mind that is just going to require the planning to give her some peace of mind to say, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm not going to work ever again, and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Sounds great. I'm ready. Sign me up. And, And live off the resources that I've saved. When it comes to risk, definitely two different philosophies and two different strategies here. Todd has more time to recover from maybe the risk that he's taking. Yeah, Todd, Todd has a lot of room for error. And Todd is going to live through many recessions, many corrections. On average, corrections happen once a year. 2018, there was two different corrections. Todd wouldn't care at all. In fact, that's a great buying opportunity for Todd because he can buy a lot more shares at less cost. And when we come out of the corrections, come out of the recessions, then he's going to have a lot more money as long as he stays dedicated to his retirement uh, retirement goals. So he can take on a lot more risk than what Kathy is. Kathy is in a place where she feels like she's kind of won the game, right? She's done the hard work. She's saved money. And now it's a matter of organization and confidence, right? And that's where the planning comes into play. Kathy cannot be taking on an overwhelming amount of risk. She loses half her life savings right now. That's devastating. And it's going to take her a long time to come back from that. And one of the goals that she won't be able to accomplish is retiring in two years at 65. So she has to be a lot more cognizant about the risk. She gets one chance to get this right. And if she does it wrong during this next big recession, then it's going to completely blow up her retirement goals. Yeah, a lot of people listening to this podcast probably remember 2008 and what that did to their 401k. Almost everybody knows of somebody, or maybe it was them, who had to come out of retirement couldn't retire on time like they wanted to, or they had to change their lifestyle significantly because of what happened to their portfolio in 2008. And that's one of the things we're trying to prevent uh, going forward for the next recession. Money management. Sounds like a dirty word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. That's my own issues. Back to Todd and Kathy. Todd, he's in save mode, right? When it comes to money management, or at least trying to save. You talked about all those other expenses, kids, college, mortgages, 
a lot to think about for Todd. Yeah, and at the same time, he's trying to put some away because he does have a retirement goal. He knows he's not going to be able to work forever. So he, he understands the importance of putting money away, and it's going to change year over year. Some years, he's going to feel like he has a little bit more discretionary income to save. Other years, it's going to be tighter, and that's going to continue over the next next decade or so as different expenses come in and go. Uh, so Todd, Todd is just trying to find a way to put some money away. Yeah, automate those 401k contributions out of the paycheck and 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 put it away and just hope it, hope it grows. Well, and the technology has has come a long way, for, even over the last ten years for for individuals like Todd, because most of that savings can be automated if he wants it to be. In fact, a lot of employer plans uh, make it an automated automatic enrollment to the plan. So you actually have to sign a piece of paper and say, no, I don't want to participate in the plan. And what do most people do? They don't do anything. So they're enrolled so they're in, in the plan. Sure. And they're contributing, and then the, they get the employer match as well. Uh, you can do the same thing with the IRAs, meaning that you just have automatic $50 a month coming out of your paycheck uh, or your checking account either way. And it just the automation really has come a long way and helped a lot of people like Todd. Kathy, her money manage money management looks a lot different. Yeah, because she's she's going to be focused on very particular goals, very particular goals. She needs five thousand dollars a month at sixty five. She has social security. She has some investments. So we're going to really become a little bit more intentional about the the investment strategy. We're going to create different buckets, and we're going to say, here's a bucket of money that's going to be really recession resistant that we're going to deliver income on for the for the next or for the first 5 years in her, reti- her retirement. So if we go through recession, it's not going to be hit. Her income is going to continue to come in regardless. And then we're going to have this other bucket of money that's more designed for this 5 to 10 year plan. So when the recession hits, it'll it'll go down, but it's not going to go down like the market and it will recover really rapidly when the market recovers. And then that bucket, as the uh, short-term income bucket gets depleted, it's going to fill up the short-term income bucket. Then we're going to have a longer-term bucket, and it's going to be a little bit more aggressive because this is the the bucket that's going to be the inflation beater, right? She's going to need income 10 to 15 years down the road. It's going to grow a little bit more. It's also going to be impacted negatively more when the corrections and the recessions happen, but it's going to fill up the intermediate bucket. So you see it's just this pour-over effect. But you can already tell there's a lot more intention with what Kathy's doing with her money management than what Todd is. Because Todd's just trying to put some away for a much later date down the road. Yeah. Kathy definitely has to think about all that stuff you saved, turning it in from saving to spending, which can be sort of a tough mental exercise. It's a tough mental exercise, but it's it's it wears on you too. Because especially when you're Kathy and you see the headlines uh, of of the market and, you know, the election coming and, and how volatile the market's probably going to be this year and really already has been. Uh, and she's at the same time thinking, well, I need this money. In fact, I need all of this money. I, I don't even want to lose 20% because I need it for the rest of my life. So the uh, it wears on her from an emotional standpoint because she spent a lifetime collecting this money and she's going to need it for the, for the rest of her lifetime. So... There are some financial rules of thumb that, I don't know, persist in our culture. And, and they might be, you know, generally okay. A uh, couple that we hear about are the 4% rule. So that's when you get to retirement, what, peeling off about 4% of your portfolio each year. That's one. And then the 100 rule is a rule of thumb that we hear about. What's that one, Lauren? Well, the, the rule of 100 is take, take, your, take 100 minus your age. So 
Kathy, how old is she? She's 63. So take 100 minus 63. That means that she should have 37% of her portfolio in equities, which means the 63% should be in fixed income or bonds. That's what that means. So these rule, rules of thumb, if Kathy's trying to do it herself, she's probably done some research. She's probably spent a lot of time on the internet and researching these, these rules of thumb. And that that sounds like a like especially the four percent rule. So if she has five hundred thousand dollars in her portfolio and she's using the four percent rule, that means she can take out twenty thousand dollars a year from her five thousand and should be okay. The problem is is that when we go through the next recession and if she's not managing her money appropriately and she doesn't incorporate these different bucket strategies, that five hundred thousand could go to three hundred thousand in a heartbeat. And then 4% of $300,000 is not nearly as much as 4% of $500,000. So she has to take a pay cut or she's taking out a much bigger percentage of her portfolio, which means it's not going to last as long. So, again, that just goes into the emotionality of, of doing this planning herself and uh, trying to live through all these different events that inevitably are going to take place. And I think you made a good point about why rules of thumb maybe don't don't work that well. What about for Todd? Can he kind of generally follow some of those rules of thumb as a younger investor? It's a lot easier for Todd because there he has a lot more time. So he has a lot more time to make up for mistakes that are going to happen along the way. Where Todd can really benefit from a more strategic plan is more from a tax diversification standpoint, right? Putting himself in a position where he is now in Kathy's shoes and because he's done a lot more intentional planning for 20 to 25 years, he's in a lot better position, right? So he can still benefit from some more strategic planning. It's just not as important to him right now because he has so much more time on his hands. Wrapping up Todd and Kathy, a phrase I really like is work smarter, not harder. How does this apply to Todd, Lauren? The sooner that Todd starts his planning, then the less hard he's going to have to work. If you wait until you're 63 like Kathy to start organizing and, and getting the plan together, now she has to play catch up. And she might have to play catch up in a lot of different areas. If she if she didn't really have an idea of how much money she needed at retirement, well, now she's trying to play catch, catch up with the investable assets that she, that she has. And she needs to be a lot more efficient with what she uses. So with Todd, the sooner he starts on, on planning, the sooner he gets a clear vision of what the end goal is, then the, the quicker he can put those puzzle pieces together. Yeah, Kathy, one way maybe she works a little bit smarter is using investments that serve more than one purpose. Yeah, um, from an investment standpoint, there's a lot of different investments out there that can address multiple concerns. As an example, an in income, delivering income is a concern of hers, but also long-term care. So you can combine investments to achieve both of those goals and to alleviate both of those concerns. So there's income-oriented investments that can also help protect from a long-term care standpoint. So it's just, it's just really aligning what her concerns are with what her plan is and what the investment products are underneath of her plan. We did a whole TV show on this very topic. So if you want more information, you can go to our YouTube channel. It's MerkleRetirementPlanning.com. There we've got more on the SECURE Act as well. Lauren sat down and talked to an estate planning attorney. So if words like conduit trust really pique your interest in something that you currently have, you can learn a lot from the attorney that Lauren talked to. Another good resource is our website. It's MerkelePlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. There you can learn about classes, a chance for you to get some more education on these topics and sign up for free. 
there. You can always listen to this podcast. It's retiring today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.